0: Hello and welcome to the Reds Unrestricted podcast. My name Dan Club, and I'll be your host. I'm joined as ever by co-host Dave Comerford. Our guest this week is Hannah Pinnick, student member of the Football Writers Association. so you join us this week um after a rather unfamiliar win um so we should have some happy positive people on the show and our guest as aforementioned in the intro is hannah pinnock so hannah how are you doing
1: i'm not too bad thank you how are you
0: yeah well good thanks much appreciate you coming on um so yeah we'll start off with you and we'll go with our three word review from the two uh, nil victory over leipzig to begin with so what have you got
1: I went for the perfect distraction. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, league form of late hasn't been great. So to have a big win in Europe is, I think, just what we needed to start rebuilding a bit of momentum. Um, I think it would be a bit naive to think that, you know, the result will suddenly mean everything is okay again and all our problems are solved. But it's it's a welcome distraction and, and something that we can actually celebrate after a pretty pretty horrible few months
0: yeah I think we've um we've lived out that horrible few months on this podcast I think um we've (laughs) definitely been the uh not the catalyst of it but we've definitely um endured every moment if you like um and I think that's a really good way of describing it because you're like it has done in the past for Liverpool tends to well looks like being a distraction again from what's been Pity horrendous league form, like you say. And um, Dave, how about you? What did you go with?
2: Well, um, I'm a fan of the perfect distraction. I don't think mine's um, quite as good. I've gone with a uh, Champions League respite, um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just savoring the victory really and relishing the sort of four four days we have to enjoy it at the at the very least because obviously that Wolves game isn't until Monday night, so we're, we're safe from the ruined weekend that we've we've had to put up with recently and it's kind of unfamiliar because um i've been used recently to sort of switching off from football um as much as i can in, in the period between games uh so yeah that, that is a, a welcome turn of events and i think you know looking back at the game um the missed chances made it feel pretty ominous really um I remember seeing a half time that our, our expected goals was like two point two six, I think it was. And um I think that's that's the equivalent of having three penalties. Um so it's pretty incredible the amount the amount of uh, high quality chances we were spending. But you know, eventually we scored what was a really good goal. Um nice fluid move from our own half to into their area and and put the game to bed. And you know, I think everyone Everyone played well, really. It was one of those one of those games where two a man, you know, standards were high. And, you know, obviously we'll talk about players in depth during the podcast, but you know, some of the players we won't really mention, like um Allison, for example, made a brilliant save at nil-nil. Both the full backs defended well. Um, you know, Wine uh I thought was a little bit off it in the first half, but you know, stepped up in the second half and and the front three um, were eventually able to atone atone for their misses. So yeah, it's just a thoroughly good and enjoyable performance.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. Um, it, it was much improved, I'd say. I think I tweeted late last night that it wasn't perfect. Been interesting imagination. Like we gave them probably more chances than I've liked. Um, obviously, you mentioned the Allison save early on. That was, you know, it kept us not in the game because we're still very much in the game if they score. But they, they definitely had more opportunities, if you like, than I'd have, um, I'd have liked them to have, um, certainly when the game was on a knife edge. Um, I'll just finish off with mine. I was very tempted to go with Told You So after harking on about Fabinho getting back in midfield ever since we started this podcast, but I didn't. I wasn't that self-indulgent. I went with Jurgen Klopp's smile because like, the night and the result was brilliant, but it's been a while since we've seen him truly look happy at the end of a match for numerous reasons like form probably being the main the main one but he looked genuinely delighted with that performance and that was enough for me to be honest with you so we'll touch on the match a little bit more in depth now and um, I'll come back to you Hannah um on the game generally but in particular um, Fabinho one of my favourites and Thiago's performance please
1: yeah, I mean, Fabinho is arguably one of the best number sixes in the world. You know, we saw, we've we seen that the last couple of seasons and we were definitely reminded of that last night. And, you know, the the midfield combination that we had is, is what we've we've been sup- supposed to have had all season and, and the balance looked a lot better. Um, it's easily, I think, forgotten that in losing Van Dijk and Gomez, we not only lost our two best centre-backs, but, but we lost our most important midfielder as well. By playing him out of position, and you know, I was reading Melissa Reddy's piece in the Independent earlier today, and and she made the perfect point that it's those injuries are not only impacting on Van Dijk and Gomez, but it's it's the structure of the team as a whole, um, which is just equally as important. So so to have Fabinho back in his natural position, I think, was was the big difference, and hopefully that will continue going forward.
0: Yeah, I think it has to. It's something we've touched upon on here, not just for Fabinho, but you're right, like, in terms of what it brings to the team, in terms of the protection he offers to what our inexperienced centre-backs and it also, like we seen last night, it freed up Thiago, in my opinion, no end. Like, he wasn't, you know, probably wasn't the best performance he ever put in, like, even at Champions League level, but he was so much better than he has been for us. So... That has to continue, in my opinion. Like, obviously, if we pick up more injuries defensively, then Fabinho we might have to slot back there. But I think for the foreseeable, you know, we've got to stick with Kabak and Phillips and let them build some sort of partnership because this chopping and changing, like, through no fault of our own, just hasn't worked. So I'd just get your opinion on those two, in particular, that midfield um, combination, if you like, Dave, first.
2: Well, when you look at it sort of more generally, the sort of narrative around the impact of, of Van Dijk being out has, has kind of evolved uh, throughout the season. And, you know, at the start, it was just, um, you know, how are Liverpool going to cope defensively? Um, especially um, how are Liverpool going to deal with uh, balls into the box and are they going to be bullied there, really? And then it sort of evolves to the impact um, on their build-up play without Van Dijk, because obviously... You know, he's someone who can put us, you know, create good situations with, with his long passing range. And now I think uh, the predominant narrative is it's cost us Fabinho midfield and that has been potentially the most significant um, consequence of it. But, you know, I agree. I agree with what Hannah said in that, you know, he's right up there for defensive midfielders. He's just a specialist at it. And I think that was a, an excellent defensive midfield performance yesterday. And i remember um talking about it on the last episode yeah we were sort of we were sort of split on it i think you two wanted um you two were calling for fabinho midfield i said you know we we probably need him at center back um so maybe he can like hold kavak's hand or, or something like that and uh so i didn't expect klopp to actually go with it but you know he did i think it was a, a slight risk but judging by his reaction after the match and Um, how buzzing he was about it and what he said about Fabinho's preferences. I think it it will be something he sticks with going forward. And, you know, Dan led the party for this. But I think all those who were demanding that change and calling for it for months have been vindicated by that performance yesterday. In terms of Thiago, I think, you know, he he did clearly benefit from having Fabinho alongside him. And, you know, he was getting on the ball in better areas and was able to impact the game a lot more. But, in a way, um, I think it does a little bit of a disservice to Thiago to say, oh, he needs the security of Fabinho because, you know, defense, the defensive side of his game yesterday was uh, was really good. Uh, you know, just looking at some of the stats, um, six, he won six tackles, um, won 70% of his, his ground duels. And I think he has improved in that respect um, and become more disciplined uh, since uh, some of those costly uh, fouls that he was making a few weeks ago. So yeah, from from Thiago is a really good all-round performance, and as you say, down the kind of performance that you'd, you'd expect from him really um, on a more consistent basis. So let's see if beyond this isolated game um, in and in this more traditional midfield structure, he can he can thrive and, and sort of lift the team going forward.
0: Yeah, you, you might have mentioned like his defensive side of the game was was still decent last night, but. I just think the positions you had to make tackles in was so much different than what we have seen. Like previously he's been making like almost rash tackles, well they are rash tackles, in quite dangerous positions and he's given away free kicks on the edge of the box and all that kind of stuff recently. Whereas last night it was Fabinho doing that job and Fabinho was like a master at that, you know, making blocks and winning the ball back in them sort of dangerous areas, whereas Thiago was was giving away was giving away problems every time, really. And getting booked for it as well. Whereas the tacklers we made last night we were in advanced areas more often than not. So that shifted role definitely helped. Um, coming back to you now, Hannah. So you kind of touched on it already, really. But like moving forwards from last night, we're all obviously more optimistic in terms of it was a better performance and we're through. That was the main thing. But Leipzig, they kind of played into our hands in many ways, which I kind of thought they would in terms of they had to come flying out the blocks. You know, they're not going to sit back like, like some of the teams we've struggled against recently. Um, So how how optimistic can Liverpool be after last night moving forwards? Um, And have we hit on something, well, certainly with a front three, that's probably worth touching upon, that Liverpool can carry into the Premier League fixtures coming up?
1: I mean, I said it earlier, I I called it a distraction, but the other three words that I wrote down that I was thinking of using was back to business. But um, I thought better of it because, you know, I just said I think it'd be naive to think that you know, progression in Europe and a good win against Leipzig would completely turn things around. You know, there are still problems that need to be addressed, and it's, it's no secret that teams in Europe play more expansive football than a lot of teams in the Premier League. You know, is, that's a different challenge altogether. So there's there's still plenty of questions I think we need to find the answers to, and you know, with the injuries that that we have and continue to have, there's no guarantee that that Quebec and Phillips will you know consistently stay fit and you know Kabak's already picked up a couple of you know niggles here and there and and Fabinho might have to step in and then we're sort of back to square one again Um, I don't think we're going to know just just how much of a difference um, the Leipzig game will make until Monday night and until we face Wolves I think only time will tell but given the result and, you know, the performance and the possibility of Fabinho now playing in his natural position, I'm definitely a lot more confident heading into Monday night than I than I was after Fulham.
0: Yeah, I think you can see that, like obviously we're all, you know, abreast with Liverpool Twitter, if you like, and everyone carried away is a really unfair description, but there's definitely a lot more confidence looking today. I think people are already making comparisons with 2005 and Istanbul and what have you. So there's definitely um, more confidence there was than from the weekend. Um, naive is a really good word to use, I think, because it would be naive to think that just because we won last night, everything's gone away because we beat Leipzig 2-0 on the first leg. And since then, I haven't got the actual results in front of me, but I'm willing to bet we've barely won a game. In fact, barely scored a goal. So it doesn't necessarily translate. Certainly when we're playing sides, like probably Wolves will sit back and soak up pressure and they'll be hard to break down and we've just had a nightmare against them. Um, But I wanted to get Dave's opinion on it. I also wanted to introduce Joss into that little conversation last night because we've seen a bit more of him in terms of 90 minutes and we do look a little bit of a different animal, I think, going forward. Like I love Firmino and he's been talked about to death on here, so we won't go into that, but there's definitely a different dynamic to that front three with him in it. So I wanted to get what you think about that, Dave.
2: Yeah, well, I'll start, I'll start on the front three then. And um, yeah, I think, you know, the, obviously the key structural change to the team is is having Fabinho uh, back in that midfield position. But, you know, I, I've i been advocating that that front line of Salah and Marnie either side of Jossa for a number of weeks, even while Jossa was still recovering from injury and, yeah, I understand the point you're making, Dan. In that we look slightly more dynamic and and quicker in a way. Uh, I think there's a slight sluggishness about about Firmino. Although you know, I don't want to start, I don't want to start criticizing too. much because he wasn't even wasn't even playing last night. But yeah, that would certainly be my my front line going forward. And I think uh, the goals the goals will start coming soon for Jotter, even if he um, missed a few missed a few really good chances last night. Um, in terms of the the general question about about you know the level of optimism we, we can take forward, you know you're right in saying Dan that the game did suit us in that you know Leipzig press high and they, they try and play us at our own game, um, which is I think what we want teams to do in an ideal world and you know Nagelsmann is never gonna come into the game and sit off Liverpool even though that is the most effective way of playing against us because football teams you know they have identities. And, you know, you don't just totally throw them in the bin. You know, you stick with them. Um, and, you know, it. on the other hand, like Leipzig, even though they are a team that whose style suits us, you know, they are also a very good team. And I think Klopp said after the game that we never allowed Leipzig to show how good they are in that tie. Um, you know, this is a team that are second in the Bundesliga, only two points off Bayern Munich, who you know, obviously won of treble last season world champions and um you know so they are a they are a very good team and I think we just saw, you know, they obviously did try and play at our own game, but what made the difference was that we're better than them. We have more quality and you know we're better coached as well, you know, credits credits to Klopp And yeah, it was a it was a very strong performance over the two legs and kind of a reminder of the quality we have. Looking forward though, um you're right. I think you're both right about how Wolves will be, you know, a totally different proposition and it'd be one of those sort of routine Premier League games where you're up against a low block with very little space in behind. And as you say, Dan, the mood has changed very quickly on social media. But, you know, it was only a few days ago that we were saying on this podcast that Liverpool were the easiest team to play against in the league. Um, so you know, we don't wanna we don't wanna be too sort of you know, jumping between these two extremes. Um, but yeah, we do have a new, a new structure to the team, which I guess makes the optimism more more tangible um, in a way. And it's got, it's actually based in in reason um, rather than just sort of hope. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that having Fabinho in there, the main impact will be helping us sustain our own attacks and stopping the kind of opposition counter-attacks that, of course, has quite a lot of damage And um, hopefully, as you say, it allows Thiago to pick up the ball in those more advanced areas where he can kind of play that, you know, pass before the assist kind of ball that we've we've not really seen enough of. But, you know, there are plenty, you know, just to quickly finish on this, you know, there are plenty of other areas that still need to improve beyond just having Fabinho back in there. You know, the full backs have got to be better in the final third. Decision-making has to be better, you know, and the finishing as well. Yesterday in the first half, both of those were really poor. And you know, confidence confidence will be boosted yesterday. Um and you you've sensed that already. Um but you could see even during the game, you know, Trent Santiago declining shots, probably the biggest example of this. That there is a kind of a lack of self belief there. So so yeah, it is there is a balance there. Um we've got to sort of be reasonable about it and as you say, not get not get too carried away.
0: Yeah, certainly when it comes to the finishing like it was, you always felt like we were going to continue to get chances, so it never really bothered me in, in many ways, but at the same time, you know, right at the death of the first half with is to side that and you think, oh, they're going to hurt us here, they're going to score and that'll be it, but thankfully, you know, chances kept coming and eventually we put one away. So I'll come I'll come back to you again, Hannah. We're going to move on slightly, just on our last little bit from last night. Um, and we'd be amiss not to talk about the man, really, because I'll just say, like, Nat Phillips, like, what a performance. I mean, he's pretty limited, if we're honest. I think we've said it before on here. But that isn't necessarily a bad thing, because, like, the main job you want your defenders to do, football's changed in many ways, and I get that. But in terms of out-and-out defender... Like fair play to the fella, he was unbelievable last night. Like I don't think Leipzig got it right in terms of they went with Pulson up top and looked to almost go aerially, and that Phillips just loved that. He'll head anything; he was unbelievable. So, on his performance generally last night, but also his future because I've seen today there was thoughts that he might be at a contract in the summer, but apparently not. Apparently he signed a new deal, um, so he's got a couple of years left at least. So. Obviously, touch on last night, but moreover, like, what do you think the future could hold for Nat Phillips, Anna?
1: I thought both Nat Phillips and Quebec had a good game. You know, I think I can recall one moment where Phillips got spun and, and lost his man. But you know, I think to expect absolute perfection from two relatively inexperienced defenders, you know, at this level would be a bit of an ask. I thought they did incredibly well given the circumstances, and and they're proving that they're capable of of. Being our starting defenders moving forward you know they did the basics right like you said and that's the most important thing and you know Phillips especially I thought he had, he had, he was the one that had the presence which we've missed since Van Dyke and Gomez we need a leader and you know I think fair play to Nat Phillips he he took on that responsibility last night and you know I think that helped Kabak um, I think it's just consistency that we need moving forward you know we need that level of performance week in week out and And I think we'll we'll reap the benefits of that. And in terms of his future, I think he's got all the qualities of of a Premier League defender. You know, he doesn't try and do anything that's beyond his limitations. He knows what he's good at. And, you know, like you said, he's imperious in the air. And and whether or not he'll make it at Liverpool, I think that's yet to be seen. But he's definitely got a bright future ahead of him and his performances this season, whether he stays or not, I think it will take him a long way. 100%
0: 100% and it's interesting that you bring up and you're right to bring up the fact that he probably, if you like, you know, got Kabak through the game, whereas if you look at like the, the, the way the two are billed, you'd think that Kabak would be the leader, if you like, he's been at Shelker, you know, he's got the star billing. he's the one who's supposed to go on and become, you know, a, a, a very good centre-back, whereas Phillips has kind of just been an outcast for a long time. And it looked as though he'd probably end up just leaving the club and never really play. But it's a difficult one because he's done so well when he's been called upon. He's definitely got limitations like we've all touched upon. But I don't know. I mean, there's a fourth choice, centre-back role there next season. Potentially a fifth because, given the injuries we've had, I can't see Klopp wanting to leave us short next summer. So, Dave, I wanted to get your thoughts on particularly the future, really, for that, Phyllis. Because... You know, if we look to sell him in the summer, given how he's done, you're probably going to pick up a decent fee. So there's that, but he's probably worthy of a place in the squad at least.
2: Well, I've got I've got quite a long answer in, in the pipeline here because you know it's it's something that I've, I'm quite keen to 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 talk about and and, and drill into a little bit because um, you know I've seen on Twitter today, obviously mostly it's been a like a, a Nat Phillips uh loving really. Um, and I've, there's one or two people who said the performance wasn't really anything special. Um, that he just did what would be, you know, expected, and and they sort of wondered why everyone was buzzing about it. But I think what you have to consider is, you know, it was his Champions League debut, and this was a player who was playing second tier football last season, and so he could easily have looked out of his depth, particularly against, as I said before, a very good team in Leipzig, and he hardly put a foot wrong. I know um, Hannah mentioned that one or two occasions where he maybe was a little bit quick to, to follow his, his man into midfield but you know i don't think there was any any major wrong with the performance and and he looked like it's a cliche but he looked like he just enjoyed the defending that he had to do and it was a very in, enjoyable performance to watch you know obviously we can't we can't be can't be in the ground anymore but i think we were all just sort of there just like you know cheering them on and you know really like feeling like the passion he, he was demonstrating his performance and I think, you know, Hannah was right to point out as well. And um, you know, it's not something we should overlook that that caback played well as well yesterday. Um, I think slightly harsh on your part than to say that Phillips got him through the game. Um, I thought, you know, his performance was was pretty good in his own right, and it's certainly a positive step for him. But, you know, back back onto Phillips and you know, you talk about him being him being limited and you Know the only clear deficiency I've seen in his game is pace, um, and even that's only been exploited once or twice, really. And that's obviously not something he can control, um, all, all that much. Um, and he's he's got a very good grasp of the, the sort of fundamentals of defending. And and whilst that sounds like a very obvious and again cliche point, it's not something that to be sniffed at, especially as that emergency option. You know, someone like Reese Williams, for example, he's come from the supposedly no nonsense environment of of uh, the National League North, I think it was, and you know he sometimes switches off and struggles, but you never really see that with Phillips. And um, you know potentially when the ball's on the ground, he's not. You know he's not. You know brilliant, a brilliant distributor. But you know Klopp, Klopp's praised his, his ability on the ball, and I think he you know he's, he's capable in that respect as well. And I think with with Phillips, we've sort of instinctively uh, underrated them as, as a fan, you know, as a fan base as a whole, really. Um, because he, you know, this, this, this is a guy from, from Bolton and you, you look at him and I think he just looks like a proper championship centered off, like mid table championship centred off, but you know, he's building quite a good CV for himself, actually. Um, you know, I look back at his um, time at Stuttgart last season and, um, you know, according to all the, the who scored metrics, um, he was in the top twenty-five players in that league and Stockards ended up getting promoted. So he's obviously, you know, he proved he can cuss it there. And I remember obviously last season he he came back for that that young red starby. And um yeah he put in a you know very solid performance. Um just came straight back into the team, you know, dominated Everton and then he was off back to Germany again. So all the signs around Phillips are that he's just simply a good defender, you know, I don't think it's, it needs to be more complex than that, and, you know, in terms of his Liverpool future, um, I'm quite optimistic about it, you know, I think he's becoming more important and more highly rated every single week, Um and we shouldn't try and, you know, predetermine his future, you know, at the start of the season, it was like, oh, this guy will make us some good money when we sell into the Championship or to a lower mid-table Prem team, but you know, I've seen enough at, uh, at this stage to, you know, be confident that the guy could be an important part of our squad going forward as a fourth-choice centre-back. And let's not forget, he's only, even though he looks he looks about 33, um, you know, he's not turned 24 yet. So, you know, I actually think the biggest question mark over whether Phillips has a future at Liverpool at this stage is whether he actually wants to stay because, you know, you've said, that fourth choice, fifth choice are the options for him. And I'm not saying... He's better than that long term, you know. I'm not. I don't have my head in the clouds. But if he, if we say to him, look, you're going to get very occasional Premier League opportunities, injury dependent, and you know, most of the time you're going to be playing in the cups. So he's gonna think, you know what? I, I'm good enough to play in the Premier League week in, week out. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I make you right on a lot of points. Um, obviously, in terms of Liverpool fans, almost writing him off like before the season. I think it's easily done because like the lads 23 and usually not so much for defenders, but if you haven't sort of cut the mustard or made the grade by 23, you've got to start wondering if it will ever happen. Like we've seen it before with numerous players, like Harry Wilson's another one now, you know, send them out and loan all the time. And at some point you've just kind of got to sell them, you know, and that's kind of where I thought Phillips was heading, obviously because of the situation this season he's been given a chance. But the other thing I wanted to pick up on was, The the pace, because you're right to point out probably his biggest deficiency is pace, but to me, I can't really look past that. like As much as I love him and I love the way he's playing, I think moving forward, I just really struggle to see how Klopp or us as a football club really can can persevere with someone who, who probably does lack pace for the Premier League, and it's such a massive part of the game, especially the way we play with that high line. Like... We might get away with it in this little period now because we might have to adapt the way we play and stuff. But the way Klopp wants to play with a high line, and the high pressing, I'm just not. I mean, we've seen it against Newcastle. Phillips got spun in by Callum Wilson a few times and he's not the quickest, you know? When you're looking at likes of Werner and Sterling and people like that in the league, then I'm just not sure Phillips will be able to cut it. And that sounds really harsh because he was brilliant last night. But I just just the way I feel about it, really.
2: The thing is, though, on on that, you know, think back to last season when Lovren was fourth choice centre back. You know, I actually thought that Lovren was a decent player. And you know, if you play, you know, if you play Lovren ten times, you're probably going to get seven really good performances out of him. Mm. Um, You know, Lovren wasn't someone who was blessed with pace, but he was a bit of a monster in the air. And, yeah. you know, he, overall, he pretty much did a job as fourth-choice centre-back. So he doesn't have the same attributes, granted. But and but I do think he's also potentially less error-prone and slightly less yeah. rash than Lovren. So I, I think, I, I take your point. I take your point mm-hmm. about the high line, definitely, and not necessarily being the, the modern centre-back. But, you know, sometimes it, it is, you know, OK to have a little bit of a variation in there.
0: Yeah, and I agree, and I hope I'm wrong in many ways, because, like I said, I really like the land. I think the story lags like to riches is a little bit strong, but I think the story of him you're not really being a part of it and then Champions League debut and performance, I love all that. I just I just struggle long-term because I mean, we might not see him as fourth choice. You might be looking at cup games and the odd fleeting substitute appearance, so it might not matter, but we've all seen this season, the fourth choice centre-back would very quickly have been the first choice, and That'd concern me if it was Phillips, even though he's been brilliant. Um, but yeah, just to finish off quickly on the Champions League sort of area. Um, we're gonna look ahead to the draw now, which is next Friday, next Monday, one of them. So Hannah, bring you in. Um, who do you want? Um, and who do you want to avoid, I suppose, is the other question.
1: Personally, I, I think I mean most teams will probably be looking at it and saying we want Porto. Um, you know, we've got pretty good record against them I mean my housemate will hate me for saying that she's a Porto fan but um you know although I don't think they're quite the same proposition this year I think they're they're much better and you know the result they got against Juventus I think they'll be much tougher than the teams that we faced in the past um Real Madrid are another one that I I would be quite keen to have I think Liverpool fans have have felt that way since Kiev really but Mm. um the one team I probably don't want is Man City. You know, I think I can I can cope with potentially being knocked out by a Bayern Munich or or yeah. even Real Madrid, you know, a real European giant. But I think, you know, if Man City are going to win the title this year and, and if we were to get knocked out of, of Europe by them as well, I think, I think that would be a, a tough one to take. But mm. um, I mean, it might sound crazy saying it, but I, I feel like a lot of teams will sort of want Liverpool. Um, I think you know as as much as we are a european giant you know this season we we've sort of fallen off a little bit and, and that's mm. you know uh, largely down to the injuries but also the fact that there's no fans i mean one of one of the big reasons we do so well in europe is because of of anfield and and the fans and the atmosphere it it, it really suffocates teams when they when they come here so mm. um a lot of teams might be looking at Liverpool and saying if, if there's any time to play them and get a result against them in the Champions League, this might be the year.
0: Yeah, what 100%. The Anfield factor, certainly on European nights, is such a blow to us. Like, you're almost backwards against anyone's second leg, as we've seen from the Barcelona um, Barcelona 4-0 Anfield, obviously. But yeah, I'd agree with what you've said, really. City's probably the worst-case scenario for many reasons. Um other than that, yeah, definitely want Porto, I think. They're definitely a better side than they were when we knocked them out. But it's And they've knocked out Juventus, so there are no mugs, but I still would fancy us. And then by that point, if we do get you're looking at the semi-finals, who knows from there. And it's an interesting point you make about teams wanting Liverpool. Like I heard a few people say that now, outside of Liverpool fans mainly. But it's a really interesting take because I still think we're dangerous to most sides, like... Leipzig, like we've touched upon, have a good side and we've blown them away really 4-0. So, I agree that a lot of good teams will say, yeah, we'll take Liverpool right now because they're not the side they were. But I still think that's a dangerous mentality. Um, but yeah, just to finish it off, Dave, I want to get your views on who you want next week, really.
2: Yeah, on the um, Liverpool being fair, I think that's that's a good point from Hannah, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of agree with it in that, you know, Liverpool in the past were the team everyone wants to avoid, even when we weren't the best team in Europe. But now I think people will look at, you know, for example, the, the 4-1 defeat that City inflicted on us at Anfield and think, yeah, you know what, we can, we can hurt them and they're vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of ideal opponents, I have to echo what you both said. Porto, you know, good side, good manager, but 10 points off, top. in in the Portuguese league, you know, we can show them respect without, you know, pretending they wouldn't be the ideal opponents for us. I also think we could, we could probably take Dortmund, even though they've got a very, obviously an explosive attack. I think defensively, they are a bit of a mess and they don't have, um, obviously a a full-time manager at the moment. Um, Interesting that, that Hannah says, Real Madrid. Uh, I don't think I'd be quite as confident uh, for that, um, as as Hannah would, but uh, at the same time, you know, this, they are kind of a shadow of the of the European team they used to be, and you know that tie against Atalanta is not not settled really. It's only one 0 wasn't it? And didn't really see what Atalanta could do properly in the first leg. So obviously, if we were to play them again, you'd probably back us based on what happened when when we went there. Um, and yeah, I think you know teams to avoid whoever wins the Chelsea Atletico tie. Definitely they'd be two horrible teams to play against um, as we've experienced. Um Man City and Bayern as well, I think would be a bridge bridge too far, as would as would PSG under Pochettino. But you know, just, just to round this off, um you know, I remember saying in the last episode that if we beat Leipzig, I was worried that we'd just be postponing the pain and that we wouldn't have the legs to go all the way. But I think I'm gonna backtrack on that. Um in that, you know thinking about it, having reflected on it a little bit, it's not the way to approach football. Um, That's not how you, you find any sort of joy in the game. You know, you've got to just take each game as it comes, hope hope that we get the luck that we need because we definitely will need it and and just hope that the players, you know, leave everything on the pitch. And, you know, I do think with, with the Champions League, there is, whether this survives without fans, I'm not sure, but there is this order around the Champions League, isn't there? And certain mm-hmm. teams just seem to fall a little bit short. Like, Slightly mysteriously, and uh, hopefully that happens to the likes of City and PSG as it has in the past. But you know, obviously we can't we can't necessarily bank on that. We're just kind of a, I'd say we're a, a dark horse.
0: I definitely think there's something in in terms of like the affinity Liverpool have got with the Champions League. Like Hannah's already said, there's nowhere near as much like fear factor about Liverpool, certainly at home without fans. But you know, just hope that some of the love affair we've got with the with the competition or rub off regardless of fans really and and in terms of the real madrid i think it was more the fact that liverpool will be after revenge as opposed to being able to take them over two legs for me i just think just to just a very finally finish off i think you know should we get past the quarters then we really are into sort of anything can happen phase like i think we've seen in the past it just takes one mad moments in semi-finals like the ghost goal against Chelsea or whatever it may be you know quarterfinals a little bit more jeopardy although it's still knockout like it's I don't know it just feels like if we get beat by a better team then so be it but by the time you're in the semi-finals like just take one moment just take one performance and you're potentially in a final and then you really are only one game away from potentially number seven in Istanbul which would do for me but um Yeah, moving away from Champions League matters now, unfortunately, and back to the grim reality of what is our Premier League season. Um, We're going to bring you straight in, Hannah. Um, On Wolves on Monday night, like Dave said earlier, we've got a little bit of respite in terms of we don't ruin our weekend too early. Um, What do you think is going to happen in the game? Um, And your predicted lineup, please.
1: I'd very much go for pretty much the exact same team against Leipzig, I think. You know, Quebec and Quebec and Phillips have more than earned their starting position, and and I think with how things have gone in the Premier League, I know Klopp switched it up against Fulham, but you know we need Fabinho in in the midfield, and, and that might be the change that that we need to to start picking up results in the league again. I think the, the biggest debate, if anything, would be over the midfield in terms of who who played alongside Fabinho. I think there's a huge shout for Naby. Um, you know, when he came on against Leipzig yesterday, he he played really, really well. And you know, I've I've always maintained that he's one of our most talented midfielders. If if he could stay fit, um, so who he comes in for, I think, is a big debate. You know, Thiago was incredible last night, and Wijnaldum's our most consistent midfielder. So it's a tough midfield to get into. But I think in terms of rotation, Klopp's obviously wary of that. So. Nabi might be a good shout, and and the front three. Obviously, I, I'm not sure if Firmino will be back by then, but I thought Jota, Salah, and Mane did really well. Um, eventually, um, and and Jota especially, I think, given his form before his injury, he's he's more than earned the right to play himself back into form, and and we saw glimpses of of what we saw before that injury last night in terms of setting up Salah's goal and. And just how dangerous he is. Even if he did hit the side netting, he's one of our most dangerous players. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the same lineup. And hopefully, I mean, I've predicted maybe a 2 0 win, but I don't know if that's a little bit optimistic given our current league form.
0: No, I'm all for optimism. We'll see that in a minute. I'm all for optimism. That's fine <laughs> by me. Um, yeah, a couple of interesting points there, really. I suppose Cater coming in is probably the biggest talking point. Um, I'm on board with it. I had to smile when you said, obviously, the caveat in terms of him staying fit is probably his biggest issue. But I I like him, I do. And I know a lot of people don't. But you're dead right in terms of he's probably one of our most talented midfielders. Like, I'd put him not on the same level as Thiago in terms of that. But, you know, compared to some of the other midfielders we've got, like James Millen is a fantastic footballer. But in terms of, you know, natural talent and stuff, the cater, Cater's can be a brilliant football, it just hasn't happened at all. Um, but yeah, I'll bring you in first day before I give mine. Um, I wanted to bring up an Andy Robertson point I've seen today as well, because I don't think he's been as good as he can be recently. And I don't really blame him because he played so much football. Obviously, Tamikas came on late last night, so I've seen a couple of people call for that change. So I to get your thoughts on that, but also obviously your predicted lineup and prediction, please
2: well um i say i take the point of Robertson you know looking like he might need a rest um you know that's that's fair enough and uh, you know attack on wise his contribution has has tailed off a little bit but i don't know you know we've got we've got the luxury really of not being in the FA Cup next weekend so that gives our players sort of a pre international break rest really um and I just don't fancy the thoughts of Simacas against Adama Traore or, or Pedro Neto. And that's not me saying Simacas is a bad player, that's me saying I've not seen enough of Simacas to be confident that he wins that battle against, t- against you know, potentially some of the most dangerous uh, wingers in the league. So I've gone with um, Alisson and goal um, controversially. And then back four, same as uh, last night, midfield. Um, Fabinho and Thiago, I've said keep their place. And then, you know, I'm sort of open minded on who gets the third slot, but I think it does need to be one of the more attack minded midfielders, given the type of game it's gonna be. Um, so I think Jones or Jones or Cater, I don't really mind. I think Jones hasn't played too much football recently, so potentially he might start. Um, but yeah, you know, I'd be more than happy to see to see Cater play playing a I'd you know, be excited for that um, so yeah I think it's not a Wijnaldum game in that Wijnaldum can be quite conservative in possession at times and you want to see someone who's going to play passes that ask questions of the defence front line I've gone with, I've gone unchanged as well so it'd just be one change in total really from from Leipzig um, in terms of my prediction um, yeah we already sort of touched on what kind of game it's going to be it's going to be you know can we break them down and then can we cope with the pace and the dribbling ability of Neto and Adama and potentially uh, uh, Podence if he returns from injury because obviously he's obviously a very good player as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really where the game's won and lost to to keep, put it quite simply. Uh, I've gone with um, 2-1 to us uh, because, you know, it's an away game. So I think I'll allow myself to predict the win. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I've, yeah, I've said... Josser Joss will get a goal against his former club as well. And obviously, as I said, you know, last game before the international break because we're not in those FA Cup courses. And I think uh, even though we did win yesterday, it'll be, whatever the result on Monday, there'll be a slight sigh of relief in a way to know that we're not going to have to, you know, we're going to have a bit of a break from this season, which has been a really exhausting one.
0: Yeah, you're right to mention the fact that Robertson's getting a break anyway. Um, just before again I give mine, I just wanted to get your, you just brought up Curtis Jones and it's a really interesting point in terms of he was almost like we spent half an episode of a week kind of talking about him and bigging him up in many ways, rightfully so, but he's kind of been, I don't want to say cast aside because that's not that's not happened, but like he's definitely kind of been overtaken. Like, Cater coming back, we, me and Hannah have both just kind of called Cater to start, if you like, and, and praised him, but we're kind of forgetting about Jones. So, I wanted to get your thoughts on it, Hannah, really. Um, obviously, like I say, a couple of weeks ago, we were all bigging him up and this, that, and the other, saying he was going to be, you know, star of the season in many ways because it was a bleak time. But where do you think he lies now in terms of the pecking order, Curtis Jones?
1: I always forgot about him if I mean Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's
1: mad when you think about it because he's he's put in some real performances um in recent weeks. So I'm actually quite annoyed that I forgot, to be honest. Um, but I, I just think Naby's talent wise is that step ahead. So I think so long as Naby's fit, I think he should always be within contention of of starting. Um I, I personally I would put Curtis above Ox um although we don't always utilize Ox in midfield but um I I would say in terms of the pecking order he he's not quite there yet um given largely his age um and experience as players around him that are and of course if Fabinho is coming back into midfield that also then takes away another potential position for him so um he's gotten a lot of minutes this season more than he would have without all the, all, all the injuries. So yeah. in terms of his development, that's helped him. But ultimately I think there are players around him that are, are further ahead in their development that, that he does fall slightly behind. And like I said, Naby's the one for me that I think is just that step ahead.
0: Yeah, I make you dead right, to be honest with you, but it's just interesting how we've gone from, because I i didn't forget about him, but I've been in a very similar boat. Like I didn't really consider him to start on Monday, which, considering where we were even a fortnight ago, seems quite strange, because we were so pro-Curtis Jones, because he was so good, but almost immediately, Naby Keita returning to fitness, without really doing anything, jumps ahead of him, and that's in Jürgen Klopp's mind, and and ours, really. So, it was an interesting dynamic. Um, yeah, in terms of mine, I've gone for the same same sort of defense and goalkeeper situation, obviously. Um, and I I have got Naby Keita in midfield with um, Fabinho and Thiago. And I agree on the point you made, Hannah, in terms of Wijnaldum and you, Dave. Just I'm so split on Wijnaldum sometimes. I thought he was really good last night. I thought he popped up in some really important areas and really busy and all that sort of stuff. I just think some games, especially now we've got Thiago, they do such a similar role and I think Thiago does it better that I don't like seeing them play together. Like a couple of years ago, we had the Brexit midfield, if you like, when all the three midfielders did the same job, but it worked. I just don't see that now with Wijnaldum and Thiago. I think playing them in the same midfield is a little bit um, a little bit too samey for me, so I'd definitely like to see a cater play because he can carry the ball forward more than more than the others and that's what we need. Especially against a team like Wolves that are probably going to be quite quite defensive. So that's my and then the same from three as you guys. Jota, massive fan, really busy, really like him. Um and I predicted a two 0 Liverpool victory um because I'm yet to predict anything other than a Liverpool win. So why break the habit of a lifetime? Um, and yeah, I just wanted to get some final thoughts from you, Dave, before we wrap up. If you've got anything to add.
2: Well, I'm just envisaging the, the Premier League table as predicted by Dan Club. And you know, in that in that alternative scenario, you know, we are what we've won it weeks ago. Yeah, 20 points clear or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: right last season.
2: Yeah. Well well, you know, I think there is it is a, a more optimistic note. And um when you said when you said to Hannah how, uh you'll see in a minute why I'm regarded as optimistic. I was like, is he going to go and predict 4-0 here? But no, <laughs> I think that, I think, I think that's pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, cheers. Um, always got to be optimistic. Um, even after some defeats, would you believe it? You've got to carry on, haven't you? Unfortunately, we've all seen darker days than this, Liverpool fans, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, just to wrap up, um, I just want to say thanks to Hannah for coming on. Really appreciate it. And really appreciate your input as well. Um, but before we go as ever we just want to give you a chance to plug any work you've got going on any sites whatever it may be we'll put your twitter handle and all that stuff in the um, in the description but yeah quick chance to plug anything.
1: I don't necessarily have anything to plug because I, I, I cover Villa women at the moment so I, I mainly do a lot with women's football um, mm-hmm. so I write for 7500 to hold, um covering Villa and did an interview with Nadine Hansen um yesterday. So hopefully that'll be coming out in the next few days. Um, but yeah, no, I, I contribute a bit to the Liverpool Echoes post match yeah. podcast as well. So go give that a listen whenever you can.
0: <laughs> That's great though. Yeah, really good. Like I say, really appreciate you coming on. Um, but that is all we got time for this week. Um, so thanks for listening. Um yeah, and I thought Dave, anything to add?
2: No, just, um, I just can't believe Hannah has the audacity to uh, plug a rival podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I was going to mention it, yeah. but... I'm not,
0: sure, I'm not sure
2: we're on that level yet, but... <laughs> no,
0: it's all right. No, that's great. So yeah, that's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back uh, next week now. So thanks for listening and we'll speak to you soon.